Hello and welcome to the Demographicast. This week we were joined by Tamara Chris Geyer, a journalist at the Green Queen magazine, to talk about drug reform and legalisation. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, as always, make sure to follow us on the platforms that you're listening to this podcast on for weekly updates uh, as we post a new podcast every week with a new guest. Um, if you'd like to be on the podcast, please feel free to message us on uh, Twitter or Instagram or contact us via email at info at demographicauk.com. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Tamara. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I got vaccinated today. Yeah, um, you did. So Before I'm feeling me. great. Yeah. I'm older, but you got vaccinated first. <laughs> much older as well. Much well, older. I don't know about me. that. <laughs> have you been, uh, have you had a vaccine jab yet, Tamara? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I've had two. But the thing is, I had um, AstraZeneca because I'm in like a vulnerable group and I got the first dose before the whole thing about blood clots came out. Oh, right. And so then I was like, oh, God, I'm going to die. <laughs> But now I'm fully vaxxed, so alive, yeah. which is amazing. Good. <laughs> it feels great. It feels really great. It was so easy as well. It was such a smooth process. I was there for like 20 minutes. Uh, most of that was waiting afterwards, straight in. Jab took literally 30 seconds and out again. So get your vaccine. If you're in, if you're younger, if you're in one of the younger categories and you're able to get your vaccine, get it as soon as you can because it's, it's, it's super simple. And, um, I got it and this morning. And you feel morally superior as well. So. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm gonna, I, I'm going to a protest later in in London uh, outside the Chinese embassy, and I'm gonna wear my uh, little card on my forehead and wander past everyone and flaunt it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, nice. Um, so today we're talking about drug reform, um, and specifically, uh, tomorrow you are a journalist with the with Green Queen magazine. Um, I was wondering if to start off with, you could just kind of tell us a bit about the magazine. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's quite a new publication. We, well, I say new, we're kind of rehauling a lot of content at the moment. So it's going to be pretty much new over the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, we are a magazine that covers the UK cannabis sector. So everything from hemp farming to medicinal cannabis prescriptions um, to, you know, legislation and all that stuff. So, and we kind of, we campaign for drug reform um, largely uh from the point of view of like you know changing the misuse of drug drugs act um that was introduced 50 years ago and has been an absolute failure since mm -hmm. um uh so yeah we kind of do all sorts of bits and yeah i'm a journalist for them so i write uh different kind of features and interviews and news pieces so yeah i, I find it really interesting and i'm really passionate about subjects so i'm quite happy to talk to you about it cool is it all uh, drugs that they sort of focus on, or is it mostly uh, cannabis? It's it's mostly cannabis, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to talk about the like legislation surrounding cannabis without also talking about general drug policy. So sure. it's 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 primarily about cannabis, but it's also you do inevitably end up having conversations about wider drug reform, mm -hmm. and especially because it is like fifty years from when the misuse of drugs act was introduced first it's kind of been a big conversation this year anyway um and yeah we've just sort of been exploring ways in which that's not worked and the ways in which it can work better and fundamentally the stance is that i mean my stance i think that the publication stance as well is that regardless of what substance you're talking about uh when you're talking about any kind of substance abuse or anything 
approaching it from a criminal point of view is never going to be helpful. You whatever whatever substance you're taking into account, it's you have to treat the people people who are addicted as patients rather than criminals. And mm-hmm. so far, the way our legislation has been working is we've just you know somebody has drugs on them, lock them up in it, and then there's more drugs in prisons, and then they get addicted to more heavy things, and then they come out and there's no support, and then they end up in this horrible cycle of just you know having substance abuse problems and that's largely because the system is failing them um you know because you get caught with some cannabis and then you get thrown in jail and then it just spirals from there so you know what i mean like it's it kind of cannabis becomes part of a wider conversation rather than a topic in itself because it's hard to talk about it in an isolated way when you're talking about legislation sure if that makes sense yeah do you uh what are your personal views on on cannabis overall whether it should be legalized or or uh, I mean, yeah, uh, you kind of have touched on it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be weird if I was working for Green Cream Magazine yeah, sure. and I was like, actually, you know what? I hate weed. I hate it. So, I don't... <laughs> sure. Um, when I was looking at the the Green Queen magazine, though, I didn't see the words legalized specifically. I saw decriminalized. So I was wondering if there was like a distinction well, at all there. Yeah, there's definitely a distinction. Sure. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, <sighs> decriminalization, legalization, they kind of go hand in hand, but they are technically different things i personally am very pro legalization in all its forms actually i'm a very strong believer in like the the portuguese portuguese portugal model um because it's it's like the the evidence is there it works right decriminalizing substances and taking people out of that cycle of becoming you know criminals in the in the system or like in the eyes of the system um when they you know end up you know and, and the thing is that the percentage of people who do dr- like who do drugs who you know do any kind of recreational drug in their lifetime is it's huge and it's it's, yeah. it's naive to think otherwise it's naive to think that you know teenagers at parties don't do a line of coke or cat or whatever like and i know it's not you know uh, something that people want to hear maybe but it, it happens and it's yeah. and it's gonna happen and we might as well make it safe right we might as well make sure that these things are regulated and if your kid's going to take ketamine, that at least it's not like laced with fentanyl. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's about harm reduction a lot of the time as well. That's yeah. kind of a big word, a big buzzword, and the space that I'm in, harm reduction, and kind of you, you have to, yeah, you know, I'm sure some people would just be like, would love to see a world where there's no substances, where you know everyone's just clean, and but realistically, no one is. Like even if you even if you don't do drugs, you are still like you know, have a glass of wine, you'll have some, like, you know, you'll smoke a cigarette, you'll, it's just, it's kind of, it's weird how we've decided to draw the line, how we've decided Mm. to be like this arbitrary, like, okay, so alcohol and tobacco is fine, but cannabis isn't. And even though really cannabis is, well, cannabis is safer anyway, but if you are going to treat cannabis like that, then why is alcohol legal? And actually this is something that's like quite interesting. The, there's a guy called Outlaw. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's like a Manchester-based cannabis activist. And mm. he is doing some really, really interesting stuff around that. Um, so like talking about how, like he's basically suing the government, right? <laughs> which which is a bit of an undertaking. Really? But um, <laughs> yeah, so... He, What's he suing them for? So basically for the fact that they, uh, the legislation surrounding cannabis right now is not in the public interest. 
And his main argument is that <clears throat> you either either make alcohol illegal and go back to like prohibition time, or you go to legalize cannabis. You can't you can't have ca- alcohol being legal and cannabis being illegal because it yeah. just makes absolutely no sense. Like from like a, a like evidence based point of view, you look yeah. at the amount of people who die from like liver cirrhosis whose lives are ruined by alcohol, and then you say, oh, you have a split, you're a criminal. Like. I, I, any sane person would think that that's ridiculous. I, I don't understand how our law enforcement or how our just legislators in general see that that's like think that that's right, that that's how it should be. And yeah, I don't know. I just get really angry about it. So yeah. <laughs> it's 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 miseducation, isn't it? From from the most part. I mean the the, oh, 100%. the the policy surrounding. I would argue almost all drugs, but particularly cannabis, has come from a position of uh, conning policymakers, conning the public, um, and you know has major sort of racist undertones. Particularly when you look at uh, sort of um, cannabis criminalization in the US and the lobbying against the, the hemp industry and against the cannabis industry um, from its from its origins, it comes from a place of not understanding the drug, not understanding the impacts of the drug. All, all education I had in school on on all drugs um, was that if you do them, you're putting your life in danger and that you should avoid them at all costs. And that's just such nonsense. And you can't yeah. create policy, like you were saying, by turning a blind eye to what the facts are. And that's what we've done. Um, and the drug policy, particularly cannabis policy, and I'd be interested to know your sort of thoughts on, on other drugs, but particularly cannabis policy has done so much more harm than it has good. And it is so obvious yeah. to anybody that spends 10 minutes researching areas that uh, have, have legalized cannabis. Legalizing cannabis not only make, makes the drug itself safer, makes the consumption safer, you would also uh, majorly decimate gang violence in this country um, if cannabis was, was legalized. You know, it would go a long way to, to fight in the, the gang. County lines. Yeah, county lines county issues. Problem. Yeah, that have have destroyed so many people's lives, um, and that's the real that's the real issue. You know, legalization actually solves a lot of the problems that you know billions of pounds have been spent into um, fighting over the last I, I don't know how long 40, 50 years. Uh, so it's it's yeah. It's, any so, it's argument just, once you start taking it apart, it just falls on its own. Yeah, like, it does, any argument yeah. that the, the it is kind of in support of like criminalizing cannabis it just as soon as you start slightly unpicking it it just falls apart mm. like regardless of which way even even if you take the worst case scenario even if you say okay fine cannabis might have like some you know dangers or risks or whatever even then that it goes back to the whole alcohol thing like mm. okay then fine if you if we're gonna if we're gonna be a nanny state criminalize alcohol yeah right if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna go and say oh okay we know better we know what's, and I'm not even talking about the countless, countless people whose lives change for the better, like with chronic conditions, kids with like drug resistant mm. epilepsy, you know, people with chronic debilitating pain, cancer patients who are on, you know, chemotherapy and, uh, you know, they're, they're constantly violently sick and they take cannabis and they can eat a meal for the first time. In yeah. Like stuff like that. And I'm like, this is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. But also you yeah. said about like, the, like why it is the way it is. Like, yeah, for sure. I agree. Like a lack of education, things like, you know, even like medical practitioners not knowing what the endocannabinoid system is and stuff mm. like that. Like, it's just not, not being in the curriculum, but also, <laughs> dare I say it, racism, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. 
if you look at the term marijuana, okay, like it's it's I've like had to unlearn using that word because yeah, me too. The, the, it, it's it's actually incredibly racist, mm. but it's been it's it's so entrenched in like because it was used basically in like the whole anti Mexican like yeah like anti drugs campaign in America, and then it's kind of entrenched itself. Then, but mar- marijuana is just not a word that we should be using. But then like you know, and then disproportionately you know black youths being targeted for cannabis possession as well. Like if I'm walking around with a spliff, or if a young black person is walking around with a spliff. Who do you think is going to get stopped? Yeah. Not me. Do you know what I mean? And it's not, but it's the same yeah. substance. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the fact that, that, you know, it's from a moral standpoint that we even criminalize a plant is so ridiculous, you know, when you get down I to know. it. But, but like you say, for those that don't know, um, the original anti, anti-cannabis um, campaigns uh, you know, that were started in the US that were aimed at, at Mexicans was, was started because um, the hemp industry was growing at such a rate that people in uh, workers in, in the paper industry were going to go out of business and to, to combat that this campaign was started. Um, and I can't remember the exact name, but it's like, it was, it was marijuana mania or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, this, this campaign that was, was targeted towards Mexican um, men predominantly. And, and the argument was that Mexican men are smoking marijuana, this, this crazed drug, and they're going to come over and they're going to rape, uh, young white American women. That was the argument, the propaganda campaign that was put forward, um, yeah. and that was that became so deeply entrenched within society. People believe that that's what this plant, um, you know, that's what the effects of this plant were, and it was an existential crisis to to the US. Um, and it was it was made illegal, and it has stayed that way ever since. You know, that's how how ridiculous uh, the criminalization of of the plant is, and obviously we've seen that sort of uh, become loosened. Um, over the years, you know, the, the growth of the CBD industry and hemp products yeah. becoming more common. Um, and I'd be interested to know, actually, uh, tomorrow, if, you know, how, how much in the, in the last sort of 10, 15 years the, the industry has changed and the, the conversations around the industry have, have changed, uh, particularly okay. f- from those kind of conversations, uh, the, the, the racist conversations and deeply entrenched conversations, like how has the industry sort yeah. of transformed? Well, okay. So, I mean, first of all, I... I feel like a lot of people don't know that um, medicinal cannabis is legal in the UK mm-hmm. and it was legalized three years ago. It's only it's been, been prescribed about... like twice though, right? Two or three That's... times. Two, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the NHS. Like yeah. there's been a couple thousand private prescription prescriptions but obviously they cost like you know a good couple of grand yeah uh so you know that's a whole other conversation about inequality and access and all that and you For know sure. all, that's another thing that i'm <laughs> passionate about is is like basically allowing people to grow their own plants mm. because uh, so much of it is about like big pharma which already we're seeing you know like sativex and what was the other one epidilex didn't know this but the the other the other cannabis based um seizure epilepsy medication that they prescribed well can prescribe to children has been approved basically licensed medicine um yeah it's like they are both from gw pharma which means that when things become legalized my concern is that because and i say when very confidently because it it will right it's 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 I give it about max five years. I think really? cannabis, we, we, yeah, I think we're definitely on the way. Like, yeah. okay, there's probably an argument to be made that I live in a bubble and everyone, <laughs> everyone I hang out with is like 
pro, you know, decriminalization yeah. and legalization. But at the same time, look, like you mentioned yourself, CBD, okay? Mm. What am I drinking now? I'm drinking a CBD drink. And I got it from the shop across the road. And yeah. it, it's most supermarkets now stock some sort of CBD-infused beverage. You know, you can go into Holland and Barrett now and buy, like, a, you know, very potent, strong CBD drop. Like, and, and it's also widely kind of more and more recognized that CBD is cannabis. It's, it's a cannabinoid um so i think like you you asking me like oh what's changed over the past like 15 years like that right the the, the public perception of cbd and i think that's a big it's it's a small step in the grand scheme of things but it's a big step in the right direction it's like we I, because it's not it's, it's going to have to be piecemeal it's going to have to be like okay cbd and then let's have conversations and then let's have debates and you know but i feel like we're heading in the direction of people kind of becoming more aware of these things like Sadiq Khan he got elected obviously as London mayor recently and a big part of his manifesto was that he pledged to do a review into cannabis like into cannabis legislation and okay yeah he's the mayor he doesn't really have like the power to change you know national legislation but he is a powerful figure and he came out him coming out and saying that saying that okay I'm, I'm ready to have this conversation is again it's a step in the direction that i think mm, yeah. is is very welcome and you know and as i say the fact that it okay yeah so we are lagging behind in terms of the nhs but then it's the nhs it's a they're great i love the nhs right but it's it's a bureaucracy like there's a lot of bureaucracy there's a lot of catching up to do and you know i think it's going to take more than three years for the nhs to catch up gps can't prescribe that's a yeah. big problem as well like we still we're at a point where only like specialist consultants can prescribe um, like cannabis based medicines. Mm. So and that's that's a big thing. I think once GPs are able to do that, I think that's going to be a big, big difference in terms of like the numbers of prescriptions that we'll be seeing. Mm. And again, as you say, education and all of that stuff, but it's not going to happen overnight. But I think it is happening and I feel like it is happening. And there's more and more people like there was a debate in. The House of Commons, again, a couple of weeks ago on the Misuse of Drugs Act, cannabis featured very heavily from all sides, Conservative, Labour, SNP, you know, everyone, there they, they were, they were MPs from pretty much every party who spoke out in favour of, you know, let's have this conversation, let's, let's, it's time to change things, it's time to look at it differently, because the things, the way we looked at things 50 years ago, and the way we saw things 50 years ago is outdated, we can't, Using this legislation effectively that was made 50 years ago and just yeah. slap it on today. Like 50 years ago, like, I don't know, <laughs> women couldn't vote or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, we, can't, we can't just take like that stuff and just assume that it'll be fine in 2020. Do you know what I mean? Because For it's sure. not. Unfortunately, I mean, I love your optimism. I don't know if I necessarily share it um, because yeah, of, the, the, of who's in government, but purely for, for oh, that, yeah. I think the, the, the public perception of cannabis, you know, when when polled, overwhelmingly people are pro-cannabis reform. Um, however, that, that isn't translated into, into, into government. And I think it would be an incredibly popular policy if adopted. Mm. Um, and if drug reform was used as one of uh, a, a flagship policy um, in an election, I think it would be incredibly popular. However, I don't trust that um, we have a government at the moment, and I can't see the opposition taking over power anytime soon that would be willing to 
um, reform the cannabis law, um, unfortunately. And I, I think it's it's about time that it was. Of course, you know, we we run uh, the country has run using used using outdated laws um, in so many different sectors, particularly this this area. Um, but there, there doesn't seem to be too much want to to change that. And until there are strong enough calls from activist groups, and I think this is growing, um, or yeah. the societal well, pressure. We're here. For sure. This is what yeah. publications like GQM are here. And, mm. you know, as I said, Outlaw, for example, he's just one of many activists that, yeah. you know, eventually you make enough noise and they're not going to be able to ignore it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it's yeah. not, I, I completely share your pessimism in the sense of, like, you know, <laughs> the um, government, like, don't even get me started. Um, so they're not, you know, I don't think that, you know, tomorrow Boris Johnson's going to wake up and be like, right, I'm going to decriminalize cannabis. Like, obviously, yeah. that's not going to happen. But I think there's, yeah, like, as you say, there's more and more evidence, especially, I think very, what's going to help as well is the fact that we're seeing the world in general move towards cannabis decriminalization, you know, more and more countries, yeah. um, more and more states in America are kind of moving towards that. So what's happening is we're getting more and more real world data of what happens when you do it. Yeah. So then it's 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 more it's less of a mysterious like oh we're gonna decriminalize it and everybody's gonna become a criminal and smoke weed every day and nobody's gonna <laughs> do anything like and it's more like okay so they did it and look what happened everything's fine and actually yeah. their economy is booming and people are happier and you know all of that stuff like. So I think that's also why I'm quite optimistic is because I think it's going to be harder to ignore that because it's, sure. it's not just stoners being like, we would, we'd like yeah. legalize. It's like, this is being done and it's worked and yeah. you're not doing it makes no sense. Like, <laughs> because it's, 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 it's fine, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's but, not this boogeyman. No, it, for sure. And the only other worry for me is, and I, I completely agree, I think it will get to the point where the, the sort of social pressure and the pressure internationally will be so strong and th- these trends will continue to grow that the, the, a government at some point will have to go, okay, it's time that we did this. I also, I don't trust them to do it in the right way. And this is another um, misconception that, that people have about um, drug drug law in general, is that it, we use these terms legalised, decriminalised. Well, under those brackets, there are lots of different nuanced ways in which you can decriminalise drugs or you can legalise drugs. So it isn't just this, you know, blanket legalisation, um, cannabis is legalised and then anybody can buy it and there's no law surrounding it and it's just this free-for-all. There are lots of different ways that this can be done. And another thing I don't trust the government to do is to do it in the right way. Um, yeah. But, so, but that's a straw man argument. That's a straw man argument. When people turn around and say, oh, you want to give kids cannabis? It's like, well, yeah, obviously yeah, not. Like, yeah. how do we, again, I, you know, I hate to compare cannabis to alcohol, but broadly speaking, the way alcohol is sold and the way cigarettes are sold right now I think that's probably going to be how cannabis is going to be sold. You're going to have to be over a certain age. You're going to have to be able to show ID. You know, there'll be like dispensaries and all that stuff. Like, it's not just going to be like I walk into Morrison's and I'm like 12 and I buy a gram. Like, it's 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 not going to be like that. And it's obviously yeah. going to be regulated. But also, the stuff people will be smoking will be better because the the street the street cannabis that you can get right now. First of all, the THC content is completely unpredictable. So if you're self medicating. Yeah. It's impossible to dose, right? It's impossible to have to work out dosage because you know whatever batch you get from, even from the same you know from the same dealer on different like weeks or whatever, you'll be getting different stuff, different strains. So there'll be different strengths of THC, right? So that that becomes really hard from that point of view. Also, again, as I mentioned with like ketamine, but with any drug, you know, you don't know what's in it. You don't know if it's you know 
is it is it you know synthetic cannabis because that's really bad for you right and it's <laughs> there's yeah like by pushing it underground it's like sex work as well right like pushing it underground and saying no it's illegal isn't going to make it go away people mm. are still going to be doing it they're just going to be putting themselves in danger yeah right like it, 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 it's framing it as a societal ill and something to just be like no we're going to make it legal and it's going to disappear is naive it's so naive and it makes yeah. me so angry because at the end of the day the the people that are suffering are the vulnerable mm-hmm. the people that end up with sex work with drug law with any of these things the people that get the short end of the stick are the ones who need the most help right the people that end up being exploited in the you know by gangs in 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 drug crime or women that end up in you know sex work because that's their only option or they're being forced to do it these are all the people that end up bearing the brunt of the, this decision not the criminals not the people who are like you know profiting of all of this mm. yeah so, sorry I... whose side are you on no yeah go on yeah. <laughs> no, i was just gonna say this conversation kind of strikes me as quite similar to the one we did have about sex work a few weeks ago on mm-hmm. this podcast with um with uh mini um something that i brought up then is that it seems like uh politicians in particular are just uh, for some uh, the, the it's a slightly different uh conversation with with the drug debate but it seems like politicians are a little bit scared to approach the topic um which obviously is it's their role as uh politicians um, and representatives of the people to approach the difficult topics but but with at least with drug legalization it seems like like you're saying it seems like there are there is support for it in parliament um, and there are lots of activist groups, and and overwhelmingly, as opposed maybe to the to the sex work debate, overwhelmingly the population is probably is in favour of at least cannabis legalisation. Why have the the bigger parties? I think we kind of maybe know we're not. I wouldn't necessarily expect it from the Conservative Party, but why is Labour or why has Labour not um, included it at all in any kind of manifesto? Because... They're scared of being seen as soft on drugs. That's right. all it is. They're, because they know that as soon as Jeremy Corbyn or whoever, you know, Keir Starmer, if anyone comes out and says, oh, we're going to legalize drugs, the Conservative Party is going to turn around and be like, they want to drug your children. <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll, it's just such a, it's such a sensitive topic. Mm. And I feel like, because there is, like, you know, I'd say maybe 50%, like, well, actually, no, I say that. I mean, it's like 83%, I think, are in favor of legalizing medicinal cannabis, and about 50%, a bit higher in London, but it's about 50% are in favor of legalizing recreational cannabis in the UK, right? Right. But that still leaves, like, 50% who are yeah. terrified of it. Sure. Like, there are so many people that are scared of cannabis. Like, like mm. genuinely, they, they and, and again, I feel like whenever you have conversations about cannabis, they just go in a loop because you end up talking about the same stuff. But again, because of, you know, miseducation, because of, you know, entrenched racism and all that stuff, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, you're going to be, I think Labour's, like, they're already, like, scraping votes. They're already not in power. Yeah. So obviously they're struggling. They didn't want to alienate 50% of the population. <laughs> they don't want to be like, okay, we're going to, so it's, it, it, it's, it's something that I think is, if, if there was like a coalition between, you know, Lib Dems, SNP and Green Party, cannabis would be legalized within like a couple of months. 
100%, right? Because, you know, Lib Dems openly talk about it. Greens, mm. again, openly talk about it. I mean, there's a Green Party, right? <laughs> <laughs> hemp, hemp is like, it's, it's, hemp is, that's another thing, right? The amount of benefit that hemp has, like, you know, like from a sustainability point of view, from like resource point of view. Yeah. And I don't know if you know about this, but like I, I learned about this not too long ago, but it was like, apparently if you have a license to farm hemp in the uk right first of all your thc content has to be like 0.2 percent which is like negligible so it has to be pretty much no thc in it but even then you have to destroy all the flowers in the field like you have to burn them but the flowers contain loads of cbd so you're burning valuable cbd and that means that the uk imports pretty much 100 percent of its cbd and medical cannabis because we're forcing farmers to destroy it mm, in the yeah. field yeah which is like it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but it, it it comes back to what, what you were saying, Brett, is that politicians are fearful mm. and they're they're neglecting their duty to have these you know, I I don't think they're difficult conversations. No. And uh, I think that all of the arguments that are put forward or that would be put forward by the Conservative Party, a brave leader of the opposition would be able to overcome incredibly easily. It's not difficult to have this debate and uh, put yeah. forward a sensible argument. Well, the debate in the House of Commons recently, I think, is a good sign. Because yeah, that, for that sure, for sure. That, that at the top level, these conversations are happening. Yeah, yeah. but it has to be um, adopted as policy. That's the thing. And, and yeah. the, the, the fact that it hasn't is, is, quite frankly, an embarrassment. You know, that yeah. Keir Starmer came out recently and said that it, cannabis legalisation wouldn't be in a Labour manifesto. Yeah. That is embarrassing. That is embarrassing yeah. for, the, is. for the so-called biggest sort of more progressive left-leaning party in the country not to adopt what is a completely sensible policy that not only would you know bring a, a bunch of industry into this country raise a load of money um mm. but also benefit people who are greatly in need um start to end the the, the county lines operations and and the the, the gangs that have um, destroyed many poorer communities in this country all of those benefits, no, we're not going to do that because we're a bit scared that the Tories might say that we're weak on crime. You know, that is embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, what be, weak on crime is not having conversations about legalisation because it's the one thing that actually... Burying your head in the sand. Yeah, yeah like, oh, the... it doesn't exist if I don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But that's the so argument it's... against yeah. it, right? The one you've just made. That uh, These yeah. arguments that are put forward to counter the the uh, the drug reform or, or reform or... um legalization of cannabis they're they're super they make sense and they're super easy to 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 combat like the the or as in the arguments against it are super easy to combat i you were talking about the economic um aspects there jack that it seems like a complete no-brainer from that point of view to to legalize it especially given the circumstances we're in right now imagine how much more money we could be in uh, we could be putting into the nhs if yeah if uh, yeah. cannabis was was legalized one report would... estimated that the legalization of cannabis in the uk would mean that the cannabis industry would be worth like twice or three times the amount of the fishing industry currently yeah. jesus fishing industry in the uk yeah. these are these are also conservative estimates all of the reports that come out of conservative estimates all of the reports that were commissioned particularly in in colorado when cannabis was was legalized in colorado they made conservative estimates and even the conservative estimates were like, we're going to have so much money, we're going to raise so much money that we're not going to know what to do with it. And they were yeah. all smashed. They were all absolutely smashed. Within like the first two weeks of cannabis being legalised, the dispensaries were, were 
they had no stock left. You know, they made yeah. so much money in Colorado that they had to give a tax rebate back to each household. That's how much money they made. This is a, a harmless drug that, if legalized, would completely change the look of the, the economy in the UK. And, and that's not factoring in um, all of the other you know, drugs that could be either decriminalized or, or, or possibly legalized. Um, it, would, it would drastically change uh, the, the economy in the UK. And, and all of that money, like you say, could be used for, for really, really good things. And the fact that we're not even having, a, I mean, perhaps we're starting to have more of a conversation about it, but from a policy basis, yeah. um, we're not starting to have a conversation about it. We're just saying, is this good or is this bad? Is, is, pretty, uh, is pretty poor. Yeah, we're very behind the rest of the yeah. world. I feel like the UK, and I mean, in some various ways, but in this way specifically, we're very behind. Like, like you know, it's just it, it just seems like they, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's conspiracy theories, you know, about you know either the you know the, the alcohol companies and the tobacco companies lobbying governments to like prevent them from leaving. I mean, I don't know if I'd buy into it, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there's something no. along those lines. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, because obviously, you know, alcohol sales are going to, there's absolutely no denying it, they're going to drop. People yeah. are going to, you know, there will be a portion of the population who will switch from unwinding with a glass of wine to unwinding with a spliff, right? Like, and that's going to have an impact. Mm. Um, there's that. been multiple studies done in like, into like whether alcohol and cigarettes and cannabis are substitutes or complements. And a lot of the time, depending on the group you're looking at, but most of the time they're substitutes, like people will see alcohol and cannabis substitutes and then tobacco as well. Like people will quit smoking tobacco if they take a cannabis, like some people will, you know. So that's that's all loss of profits, isn't it, for certain yeah. big organizations. And I, again, I don't, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by Whoa. any means, but I, I do feel like there is something to be said about, you know, where does the interest lie and where does the for money sure. coming from? You know? If if I was if I was like the CEO of Anheuser Busch, for example, and mm -hmm. the, we were having more conversations about or, or more conversations about cannabis being legalized um, was starting to happen, and it was looking like it was on the cards, I would be lobbying against it. Like if I put myself from a business perspective in th that those shoes, forget whether it's the right or wrong thing to do, I'd be scared yeah. about my bottom line, and I wouldn't want it to happen because as a big greedy businessman i wouldn't want my my, my bottom line to be impacted. <laughs> but then at yeah. the same time wouldn't it be easy for companies for like tobacco selling companies to switch or to depends to... on how the law I and mean, it depends on how the law is instituted right, right. so this comes back to the, the conversation and, and like the worry would be that cannabis would be legalized or decriminalized and all of the power would be put in the hands of big pharma companies which is not what needs to happen in my that's opinion my concern, yeah, for sure. yeah it for needs sure. to that's be what, that's what i'm saying about like growing like you have to yeah. like like whatever legislation comes into force at some point it has to allow for people to grow at least because yes. in canada canada's a good, good example of this you're allowed to, i don't want to get this wrong because that'd be embarrassing but i want to say it's like five plants per household so there's still rules, right? But you're allowed to grow five plants per household, which I think is, I think that's, that's reasonable, right? Because then you're you're not putting all the power into the hands of like EW Farm or whatever. And they don't, because then prices don't get hiked. Because if, if you release, like what's happening now is prime example. You have two licensed medicinal cannabis products in the UK. The price of those and access to those is completely controlled by one pharmaceutical company. <laughs> yeah. You can put the price at any level you want. You have a full monopoly on the product. Yeah. Like, 
Ah, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right? Like... For sure. And it comes back to, you know, this comes back to my point about the way that the law is instituted. There are lots of different ways to do this and and we need to ensure that it's done in the right way because there is so much potential um, in in the industry. I know we're like running low a little bit on on time and there's a couple of other things that I want to ask you Oh yeah, sorry, I do go on about this. Not at all, not at all. Uh, Me too. (laughs) Um, But I I wanted to know what your thoughts were on um, psychedelics specifically and um, when we talk about sort of drug reform and we're looking at at different psychedelic drugs. What what are your views on sort of LSD mushrooms being legalized or used more and more for medicinal purposes, um, and and how the sort of UK policy should should surround uh, psychedelics? Yeah, lots of really good research again going onto that into psychedelics and treatment specifically of things like PTSD, yeah, uh, and depression. So mushrooms, uh, very promising results uh, in kind of yeah in treatment of major depression uh with minimal side effects compared to you know fluoxetine fertiline incredible incredible results incredible results results. ptsd soldiers you know not even just soldiers but like they did a trial on soldiers specifically um you know huge improvements from like lsd like obviously controlled you know again Mm. this is this is what really pisses me off is that this trauma argument of like whenever you bring this up they're like some people will be like oh so you just want to give everyone lsd it's like no because it'll be it'll be dose it'll be under medical supervision it'll be like a medication right you take it like you take anything else like you wouldn't it wouldn't be just like go get high all the time and it's it, it, it's going to be obviously regulated like yeah. nobody's the whole point is that we want it to be regulated mm. the whole point is that we want there to be stringent kind of you know controls over like the quality of cannabis that you buy the quality of the lsd that you can get or the quality of mushrooms or anything else and i think i am you know i think as i say i mentioned earlier about the portugal uh model how they've decriminalized everything pretty much there and the outcomes have been amazing people have been like you know heroin addicts they have they have um what they called like safety when they basically were were uh, people with heroin addiction can go and safely inject heroin yeah. uh, and do so with the medical supervision of people and the, the of, of um, professionals. And the, the levels of overdoses of heroin have just plummeted because the, they're not doing it in behind bin sheds and in, injecting God knows what, you know? And They've almost completely minimised um, deaths from overdoses in, in Portugal. It's, it's really amazing. One completely. in ten people... Um, in Portugal in the 90s were addicted to heroin. One in 10 people. One in 10? Yeah. There's a really fantastic Guardian article that I, I recommend. I can't remember the... Someone Ferreira, I believe, um, I, I, I talks about sort of Portugal's um, decriminalisation policy and, and how well it's worked and why the, the, the world hasn't followed. I really, really recommend people go and uh, dig that article out. If I can find it, I'll make sure that we put the link in the description. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. I had a point that I was going to make and I forgot what it was. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> the, I think one thing that we probably haven't covered or touched on, it, it haven't exactly stated, but I, an incredibly important part, I think, of legalizing um, drugs is education. Specifically, people need... We don't... Again, it goes back to the whole, like, these straw man arguments of what if people are just going to random... If, if these drugs are uh, made legalized... Are made legal, sorry, people are just going to be you know, taking them willy-nilly and, and uh, have no sort of 
uh, nothing holding them back from from overdosing. But an Im- incredibly important aspect, I think, of legalizing these drugs is to then teach people how the what the best ways of consuming them are and how how much to consume, you know, d- d- practices um, and so yeah. on, which isn't hard to implement either. No. It's... I mean, there's the, I, I'd point anyone towards the um, Frank website, uh, yeah. which is, you know, very, very informative and very good resource. And I'm glad that we have that. Um, and but yeah, I mean, it's uh, like you mentioned, you know, doses and stuff. The only way somebody will know what they're taking and how much they're taking is if they know it's pure mm. and yeah. they know what it is. Yeah. Right. To say to someone, OK, so half a pill of ecstasy is going to have this effect on you. You have to know that what they're taking is ecstasy. Most of the pills that you get in a nightclub are not just going to be ecstasy. They're going to be ecstasy and God knows what else. And people, that's where people die. That's where all of these horror stories come from of, you know, 15 year old girl takes ecstasy pill and dies, you know, like, and everybody's like, Oh my God, drugs are so scary. It's like, okay, they're only scary because you've demonized them because you've pushed them to the ground. And because now we just have, God knows what on the market and you can't even help people to make choices because you don't know what they're taking. And that's the problem. Like education is great, but it's only useful if it's in conjunction with regulation. Regulation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there were, there was, I remember when we were at uni, there was a case of several uh, students who just took random pills at a festival and ended up, um, in hospital and and uh, ended up passing away as well. So, like you say, yeah, if if it's legalized, then it's regulated and um, it prevents any of these. Uh, it prevents these these other drugs um, going into circulation and and people just taking them, expecting them because they don't know necessarily what contain what they contain. But um, yeah. Um, Jack, did you have any other questions before we move on? Yeah, I've got loads, but <laughs> we, we, we have to do this another time and maybe we can broaden the conversation to other drugs because sure, we, yeah. we could be here for about three hours otherwise. Yeah, I, I did want to ask about other drugs, but as always, we're running over. So <laughs> let's move on to uh, our quick fire questions for today. Mm-hmm. The first one is, is it right for 60,000 football fans to be allowed into Wembley Stadium when university students are facing another year of online lectures. Tamara, do you no. want to try and go first? <laughs> no. But my answer is no. Okay. Um, I have... I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, like with many things that this government is doing, I don't understand what the logic is. Um, but, yeah, it seems to be that football is just completely exempt from everything. And I understand that some of it is... Like football being seen as like, you know, almost like a, not like a, but like, I feel like, like, okay, I don't know if this is a bit of a tenuous link, but you know how like guns in America, right? The right to bear arms. I feel like in England, it's like the right to watch football, right? It's like, that's, that's, that's what it feels like. And I say this, I say this because I'm not, I'm not British, right? I wasn't born here. Like I grew up here, but. I feel like there's still some things about this country that just feel so foreign to me. Mm. But football is definitely right. Like it's like it's like an amendment in your constitution. You've got to if you if you take that away, there will be riots. Like you, the the British people can put up with a lot, you know, closing everything for a year, whatever. You've got to let them watch the football. So, <laughs> 
I don't know. Yeah. That's it. That's, it's it's that's, hard that's to that's argue hard. against that point, to be honest with you. It is hard to argue against that point. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's fair. However, I will, there are some caveats. Like, it's not as black and white as these football fans are allowed to do whatever they want and nobody else. It's like, there were really strict COVID regulations in place for the football. Many, many, many of the people who um, had availability for tickets um, were in the, the vaccine age bracket. Um, you had to uh, present COVID tests and there was COVID testing on, on site. So it wasn't as simple as people just allowed to sort of go willy nilly and see. There is absolutely no doubt that increased crowds will increase COVID cases. Like that's just a fact and it's obvious that that's going to occur. Well, Scottish um, fans, did that outbreak yeah. that happened when Scottish fans went to, yeah, mm. that was like a whole thing. Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's obvious to anybody, you know, that, that increased crowds are going to increase cases right. um you know it's it, of course they are but um i i think that universities and and the government should be doing a better job of getting uh sort of universities back open that would be what i would say you know it, all, all sectors um deserve the kind of attention that the football sector is is getting um and that's it's not the the way to do it isn't to stop everyone from doing anything it's to try and get everybody to, to, to sort of be able to get get their lives back to, to normal yeah i understand the frustrations from from uh well i mean i think it's ridiculous of course it's it safe so, for the arts as well yeah 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 because why yeah exactly why should uh wembley have sixty thousand people in it when the theaters can't reopen um yeah 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 it is a, it's the right a to watch football i'm telling you <laughs> it's a different yeah. it's a different standard sure yeah the, the yeah. hypocrisy seems uh, pretty blatant but uh, it's i again it's like it's like you're saying football is sacred in this country it is so yeah it's interesting um my second question is based on an article that i saw today about cats and dogs carrying coronavirus um in apparently in quite high numbers they don't necessarily they're not necessarily affected by it but they can carry it should cats and dogs be given the covid vaccine (laughs) how do you expect me to answer that (laughs) i'm some idiot just does a podcast (laughs) i don't know (laughs) I mean, I, the reasonable answer is you've got to do some trials, right? You can't just... Yeah. Apparently, I mean, I'm not going to let anybody inject my cat with anything unless there's, like... <laughs> well, I mean, they have they have jabs already, don't they? Cats and dogs for various yeah, diseases, but, but... Yeah, but... Apparently, Russia know. is already uh, vaccinating <laughs> cats. Apparently. I wouldn't what? use Russia. <laughs> They're putting Sputnik. Is it Sput- yeah, it's Sputnik, isn't it? The, the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching a, a BBC News uh, segment on the way that Russian hospitals were dealing with the, the pandemic and um, they were interviewing this lady and she was going into church and the church was super busy and the report said, oh, you're not worried that if you go into the church, you're going to get coronavirus. And, um, and she said, no, because if we go into the church, then God will protect us from getting coronavirus. God will protect us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they, they then cut away and said, this lady is a doctor. A leading doctor in, wow. in yeah. Russia. It's like, yeah, I, let, let's not vaccine our mm. cats and dogs because the Russians are. Vaccinated. Because the Russians are. Yeah. <laughs> they think I, we're I mean, them, yeah. I don't know what the current situation of vaccine rollout is in Russia, but I mean, if not great, like the uptake any... is really bad because nobody trusts yeah, them. I can't so imagine. they're giving it to nobody the cats instead. It. Instead, to use <laughs> yeah, them up. Yeah. How many leftover vaccines? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that actually, probably, you know what? Yeah. It's, it's funny, but I think you might have yeah, some truth. I mean, sure. if we should be doing that here, if the if we've got like cancellations, like you were saying earlier to me, Jack, people saying... are still need a vaccine. Not 
<laughs> yeah, but they're just the throwing the vaccinations out. So give it to give it to everyone. Give it to the people. Where do you give stop it? Do you give it to hamsters? The, the pigeons. Hamsters Maybe. Yeah. Pigeons? <laughs> I live in Manchester. The pigeons There's so don't many pigeons it. in Piccadilly. Oh my pigeons god, don't deserve it. It. <laughs> No, they don't deserve it. No, absolutely not. No rights to pigeons. Zero. <laughs> That's another podcast that I'd like to come on. Why pigeons are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I have some strong opinions on that. Yeah. That should be my one of my quickfire questions. Um, but it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, my third one is, uh, would you rather live forever or be the richest person alive? Be the richest person alive. Grow living forever. Oh, my God. No, mate, I get to 45. I'm done. I'm, I'm already tired. I'm like, <laughs> in, like, in, an, in like a non-depressed way. I just, I'm already tired. Like, yeah. I don't want to do this forever. Oh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'd love to live forever. What? Yeah, nah. I would. I would. I love. I love effort. life. Yeah, but I would also love to be the. But like, <laughs> I would... so tired. <laughs> yeah. I would also love to be the richest person in the world. So I'd probably go richest person in the world. Thing is, if you lived forever, yeah. you've got quite a lot of time to potentially become the richest person eventually. True. True. But. Uh... Or you could just be broke forever. Or that. Is also that. True. Yeah. Well, surely there's got to come a time where you're like you're able to. <laughs> To, you accumulate uh, for any job because you've <laughs> been around for so long. You'd have the biggest CV, haven't you? <laughs> Hundred years experience, yeah. <laughs> if you could live forever, does that mean that you don't need like food and water to survive? So you'd be able to cut back on a lot of costs. Uh, I didn't think that far into the question, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, this feels very. I feel like you're like unpicking this too much. Yeah. I just think money, money. I definitely yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I think yeah. I would have once said. I'm like, I, I don't know. I think I'm like flip-flopping between the two because I would have once said live forever because you get to experience so much and you have like unlimited time to do whatever you want. But at the same time, I don't know if I want unlimited time. Yeah. <laughs> like you say, well, I'm think... tired already now. I, <laughs> I, I want an end point. I just made you know? <laughs> The amount of good you could do with all that money as well. You know, like Jeff, if you're, you had some yeah. Bezos money. It's true. You know, yeah. Bezos money. Yeah, that is true. Have you seen like, this, this yacht that he bought? Yeah. It's got yeah. like a... Yeah. Uh, it's a I joke. It's it got a yacht on it. Like, Sorry. It's got a yacht on it and it's got a helipad. Yeah. It's got a yacht on it. He's it's, bought a yacht with a yacht yeah. on it. It's so big. He's got like a, a mini like yacht. A, a mini yacht. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like big. Like attaches well. to the bigger yacht. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. unreal. Yeah. yeah. There's a helipad. It's all, it's very exciting. <laughs> but he complained that the helipad isn't big enough for his helicopter. Yeah. I hate it when that happens. You've got a helicopter then, shouldn't you? The idiot. First world that's, problems. that's not even first world problems that's that's no. yeah, that's like yeah it's major elite five problems, billionaire yeah. problems <laughs> um <laughs> thank you so much for coming to join us uh tomorrow <laughs> yeah it's been a pleasure okay. anytime this yeah. is fun yeah where can people go to learn more about uh the stuff that you do in your work in the magazine yeah so uh we're on all socials we have our twitter and our instagram and you can find us basically just green queen magazine uh yeah we're, we're all we're all over the place but kind of at the moment we are as i say we're rehauling some of our content so um you might have to bear with us in terms of things not being super shiny and great at the moment but we're getting there and i'm really excited to show you what we've been working on because the past couple of weeks it's just been like awesome. women like working a lot of really cool things so mm. hopefully you can join us on that journey as always this stuff will be in our description so if uh, anybody listening wants to wants to go and uh see where they can find tomorrow then uh then yeah go and check out the description and thank you all for for listening slash watching uh we'll see you next week brilliant thanks for having me thanks bro thank you